If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ah, motherhood. One minute, your mom of the year. I love you, mommy. Then the next? <laughs> mm, not so much. From bath time to bullying, from potty training to puberty, parenting is full of challenges. But one thing is for certain, you are not alone. Welcome to Modern Mom Probs. I'm your host, author, mother, parenting expert, Tara Clark. Join me while we tackle today's modern mom problems. Welcome back to another episode of Modern Mom Probs. I'm your host, Tara Clark. If you like what we're doing here, be sure to subscribe. You know, here on Modern Mom Problems, we're trying to solve the world's modern mom problems, but if we can't do that, hey, at least we're having fun talking about it. Today's a really important topic. We're talking about gender equality in the workplace, and I am joined by Rachel Bauer and Kelsey Pitlick. Rachel Bauer is the co-founder of Guild Collective, an organization dedicated to change individual views and behaviors that she shift workplace cultures, and break down gender barriers. And Kelsey Pitlick is the other co-founder of Guild Collective, where she brings her background in research and effective instruction with her passion in creating more inclusive workplaces for working mothers. Ladies, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. We're so excited to be here. Great. And this is such an important topic to cover, and it's something that I feel like I've covered many topics, many times. And this is one that I feel like we've only ever really scratched the surface on. I had Christine Michelle Carter on way back in the one of the first episodes in the first season, and we were talking about the state of working mothers. And so we touched a little bit about this, but this is like a bigger, bigger deep dive. So ladies, you're the co-founders of the Guild Collective. Tell me a little bit about what that is and a little bit about yourselves. Kelsey, I'll start with you. Yeah, absolutely. So you kind of touched on this a little bit, but in terms of what we do at Guild Collective, really focused on that idea of changing individual views and behaviors to shift workplace cultures and break down gender barriers. So we do that in a couple of different ways through gender inclusion trainings. A lot of companies bring us in to talk about things like unconscious bias, but they also ask us to come in and talk about leadership development and especially that idea of closing the leadership development gap that often exists for women in the workplace. And over the past eight plus years of doing this work, our offering has really changed and developed based on what people are telling us. And a lot of what we focus on now is in that gender diversity, equity, and inclusion space. 
and really approaching it from a place of understanding where everybody is coming from and helping to instill empathy in them along the way. So we can definitely talk a little bit more about what what that looks like and what that means. But in terms of the two of us, we started this business together in the spring of 2015. We were actually introduced by our husbands. They work together at the same company, which is a sort of a fun fact that people are always surprised by because now we've sort of taken over. <laughs> in our friendships. So so we definitely lead the charge now, as I'm sure many women can relate to. But we thought it might be kind of fun to introduce each other as opposed to us introducing ourselves, if if that's all right with you. We thought that yes, would be a fun way to do it. Yes, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> Rachel, do you want to go I, first? I can kick us off. Yeah. So I was trying to think about how to describe Kelsey and talking about Kelsey is one of my favorite things to do. So I was very excited to do these intros. You really get, it's a whole nother level of relationship, uh, eight and a half years of doing business together. When I was thinking about the best way to describe Kelsey, I thought she is the most diligent problem solver I've ever met. So she's a very, very deep, deep thinker. But she's also incredibly empathetic. It really knows no bounds in terms of her empathy. So I, it, she she has this amazing co- combination of superpowers. I would say she is overall tenacious and impressive. I'm always so proud to talk about the things that she's done. So when she says she's going to achieve something like climbing Mount Kilimanjaro or helping a family member in need, she's nonstop and she doesn't waver. So really, she's my hero. Our company could not run without the ideas that she fine tunes in the shower almost every day. Cause like there's no mom that takes a shower every single day. I don't believe it, especially if they have toddlers like Kelsey does. She has two. Theo is three. Desmond is one. She is incredibly present as a mom every single day. And I really mean this when I say I have no idea how she does everything so well. So I'm very proud to introduce her. That's incredible, Kelsey. Wow, <laughs> Rachel. Wow. I know. That's incredible. What an introduction. That was, it feels so kind. Thank you. Well, I, similar to Rachel, I feel like I also don't know how she does it, which I think we probably all as moms say about one another and don't give ourselves enough credit along the way as well. But Rachel is very dedicated mother of three. So she has Louise, who's five, Frankie, who's three. And then in 2020, Rachel became a foster parent to her cousin, Elsa, who's 15. So she got thrust into being a teenage parent uh, very quickly and has really been managing that experience with so much grace. And I feel like over the years of working with Rachel from pre-kids, so we started this company before all of our family additions, I feel like her loyalty and passion for supporting others has been so constant. And that really shows through in a lot of the work that we do at Guild Collective as well, because she leads content design and facilitation. And she's always looking for whether it's the latest information or different ways to engage learners and engage people with a lot of different worldviews. That is not always easy to do, but I feel like she does such a great job of staying open to different perspectives, 
So she can really meet people where they are, especially on the tough subjects. And I think that translates to home and everything that she's going through as well, just in terms of the the level of patience. And I know she'll make a face because she doesn't feel like she has that patience, <laughs> but the level of patience that that she really exhibits is quite amazing. Both of you are quite amazing. Thank you. <laughs> we think you're amazing too. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Thanks, ladies. I appreciate that. You know, it's interesting. You started the Guild Collective before you became mothers. How did that affect your business? Because it's one thing to be women in the corporate world. It's a whole nother thing to be mothers there. Yes. So I feel like this answer is, it it, it sort of has, has two different tracks. So there's also becoming mothers and and doing the work that we do. And then there's also experiencing Kelsey became Kelsey became a mom during the onset of the pandemic, which was in and of itself very much a a reckoning of sorts for how the workplace treats working moms. So I would say we sort of have this double layer lens of motherhood and then also pre and post pandemic motherhood as well in the workplace. I mean, quite frankly, it influences everything that we do. So I don't think it's possible for us as as mothers who specifically work within the gender equity space to remove that lens of, you know, what what bias really impacts when it comes to, you know, mothers specifically and really overlaying that intersective identity. It's just it's just present in everything that we do now. And it's not that it wasn't there before, but, you know, it's personal now, right? And we we recognize, you know, some of the ways and, and many of the ways, and we'll talk about some of that this, this podcast, I think, but, you know, some of the ways that all of the different ways that women experience bias in, in the workplace, how much harder some of that hits when you are also navigating working that second shift when you get home and also thinking about the generation that comes after you. It's very complicated, but I just think it impacts everything. It absolutely does. It absolutely does. Kelsey, I'm going to throw this one to you. How can businesses prioritize gender equity for working moms and then still thrive in the process? Yes. So I think the biggest piece here when it comes to Business is really looking at gender equity is asking questions first, understanding what the problems are that the employees in your organization, the women in your organization, the mothers in your organization, what are the things that they are facing? What are the things that they really need? And what are the things that your organization has the capacity to do to help those situations. I think that so many times we work with clients, we work with companies who come to us and they'll say, well, you know, we feel like, you know, we have, we have maternity leave. Uh, it's pretty good. It's fine. And, but I don't know, mothers are still seeming like they're, they're struggling a bit. So can you, come in and do, you know, an hour lunch, an hour lunch and learn type session for us. And yes, we might get women that participate and certainly hope that we're leaving them with actionable takeaways. That's always our goal if we have that short amount of time together. But is that really what the women, the mothers in your organization need? They're probably 
doing 500 things over lunch. They're probably trying to make all the phone calls over lunch. So is that really the tool that they need? Or do you need to be looking at something else completely different within your organization? Do you need to be looking back at that maternity leave policy? Or is it more about the onboarding and offboarding that you have coming in and out of that? Is it flexible work practices, you know, backup childcare resources, all of the things that as mothers we're thinking about, stressing about all the time. What are those things that are actually going to support women? Is it around managers being able to ask questions and understand exactly what the people on their team need and what some of the more specific equitable resources might be that they need along the way. And I think that that managerial piece is definitely one that we have a really strong focus on and being able to train managers on how to better support their team members, their direct reports. And that that goes for everyone. Everyone has something going on in their life that makes them need those more equitable resources along the way. But you'll never know unless you ask the questions and kind of dig a little deeper into the data to understand what it is that that your people really need. Yeah, I'll share a quick story about my background. Before my son was born, I worked at Nickelodeon. I worked at Viacom and I loved it. I was there for five years. Wonderful company extraordinarily talented people in every department, whether it was digital or social media marketing. And I went on maternity leave with my son and I had every intention of returning back to Viacom. But then I started having second thoughts. And so when I spoke with my manager and she said, are you coming back? And I asked, may I go part-time? Or may I have a flexible schedule? I know that I could do that work from home. And she said, no, it's all or nothing. It was 40 hours a week or it was nothing. And I said, okay, well, then it's nothing. And I decided to stay home with my son. And it was a hard decision because I loved the company and I loved working there. And living in New York City at the time, it was sort of an assumption that you do go back to work. And so I had to overcome that aspect of it as well. But once I stayed home with Jack, I was I was thrilled and I loved it. And obviously I created all of this, right? So I would not have created Modern Mom Probs had that not been the situation. But I always think back about, you know, what could have happened if my manager was more flexible in saying, oh, sure, you could come back part-time or, oh, sure, you could work from home certain numbers a week. My son was already in daycare at that time because in New York, where we lived, you have to essentially book daycare before they're even born, if that makes sense, which sounds wild and crazy, but it's true. So my childcare was already set up. And then ultimately, it didn't make sense for me to keep him in daycare if I wasn't going to work to make money. So so that's a little bit of, of my background, how it relates to non-flexible managerial styles. Yes. And it's, it seems like such a small tweak that you could make to say, you know what, here are the core hours that we need you to be here, but we trust you're an adult. We trust that you're going to get the work done. You're going to be efficient in the time that you're here and ultimately retain somebody as, as a result. And I think it's, we hear stories like that all the time and 
you hear that women are opting out of the workforce or women are choosing to leave their companies, that's that's not what that is. That's being forced out essentially because someone is so rigid or an organization's culture is so rigid that they can't make room for somebody to work a little bit differently. Yeah. And again, I should preface it that this was 10 years ago. So this was like way before hybrid work. But given what we do and even what we were doing 10 years ago, we totally could do that from home. But that's just my two cents. Of course you can. We still hear it all the time now. (laughs) Yeah, of course you can. Of course you can do it from home. And I think that, you know, we're in this really interesting tipping point of, you know, the onset of of the pandemic brought so many things to light, right? It brought so so many things to light in terms of the inequitable load that women carry at home when caring for their children. But it also brought to light, you know, how much of that bleeds into the unexpected and, and unmeasured things that they carry at work as well. And luckily, it brought to light how capable we are of doing what we need to do from home, doing what we need to do flexibly, you know, not being given a rigid set of hours and standards to maintain in terms of butts and seats. But we're at a really interesting tipping point where, you know, people are eager to sort of forget that COVID ever happened. Which sure, of course, you know, I'm a mom who was stuck at home with, you know, children and diapers. And, and I, there's much I would like to forget about that time. But at the same time, you know, we can't forget the things that we gained and the things that we learned and the things. And one of those things is, you know, how capable we are of working flexibly. So we're seeing employers kind of shift back in a way that I think is really going to harm their equitable practices when it comes to supporting working moms and working parents. Why do you think that is, Rachel? Because I think there I, I think there's a lot of different reasons. I think that employers haven't many employers who were originally in person went remote, went hybrid, you know, like I think many of those employers never quite hit the nail on the head when it came to in, when it came to engaging and creating culture with their employees vir- virtually. So I think that, you know, for for a company my spouse works for a company that there were many, many, you know, happy hours and many in-person events and overnight retreats. And then suddenly that that all stopped. And, you know, his company in particular has done a really great job of maintaining some cultural aspects and allowing their employees to be flexible. But I think for the most part, we have these people at higher levels who you know, are sort of losing that sense of empathy that was so prevalent throughout the early days of the pandemic of, you know, really thinking and having sort of that bleeding heart for what their employees are going through and and thinking, you know, how can I meet their needs, not as an employee, but as a whole person? And and those needs for working parents are reducing the, the commute times, allowing them to be flexible so that they're able to have the accessibility that they need to put their kids in the things that they need to do. As a foster parent, you know, I have several meetings every single week that happen between the hours of eight and five, navigating the foster care and kinship care system. That is a parental responsibility, right? So there's so many things that, you know, early in the pandemic, we had so much empathy for our employees, but a lot of that has really evaporated. And now we're like, well, we need them to come in in the office so that we can form these relationships again. When the reality is that that spark of empathy, that's what really drives change. And that's what allows leaders to kind of put themselves in their employees' shoes. And, and we're seeing that, we're seeing that go to, to, to the wayside. So it's, it's something that we're really intent about wanting to change to keep that empathy at, at the forefront, because 
really that that empathy, that you know, seemingly soft skill that you know so often thought to be a feminine trait. I mean, that's what really makes leadership make changes that supports their employee base. Yeah, it's everything. Yeah, it's everything. I agree. This episode is brought to you by Modern Mom Style Box. Upgrade your wardrobe and enjoy unlimited styles for just $60 a month. Modern Mom Style Box is the first rental clothing subscription designed exclusively for moms and moms-to-be. Get started today with a free trial. Use promo code PTO. Kelsey, I'm going to throw this next one to you now. We all know that there is a maternal bias in the workplace, right? I mean, we've all we, we've all been women at work. We, we know this to be true. How can managers be more active allies for women? Great, great question. Yeah, so so that maternal bias, we've probably all felt it, but for those of us who don't live and breathe this every day, sort of the the definition of that. It's actually one of the stronger forms of bias that exists in the workplace. And it's really when people incorrectly assume that mothers are less committed to their careers and even less competent. So oftentimes mothers are given fewer opportunities and they're held to higher standards than fathers. Um, when it comes to the wage gap, the shocking thing, the thing that blows my mind is that when women become mothers, they actually see that's when that wage gap increases in size. But when men become fathers, they actually see an increase or kind of this daddy bonus. It's bananas. It's can we just it's talk crazy, about that for a second? I know. I'm sorry. I'm interrupting <laughs> you. Can we just go? Can, can we just go yeah, there no, for a second? It's insane. Yes. Why? I'd love to. Why, girls? Why? Because they're so committed. They're such great fathers. They take a kid to a doctor's appointment and, you know, they get a gold star. I'm going to the doctor's office with my kid this afternoon. I'll give you a gold star. Nobody's giving me I'm a pat give on you the a gold back. Star, <laughs> me too. I'm giving you a gold star. Thank well, Tara, yeah, I thanks. think this goes back to your what you were saying about your journey with having your son. I think too, it goes into even how we how we talk about women returning to to the workplace and how we treat women as they're returning to to the workplace versus men. When I was pregnant with my first child, I give some, you know, grains of salt to the fact that I'm a business owner and and you know, I'm doing it on on my own with with Kelsey and I, I don't have a corporation behind me, but no one ever asked my husband Oh, what are you going to do with your schedule when you have a baby? What are you going, how are you going to adjust your hours at work? Are you nervous about balancing it? Are you, and, and I got those questions all the time. I mean, all, all the time. What, 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 what are you going to do with your business? What are you going to do with your job? My husband never got those questions because there's an expectation that mothers are going to sacrifice and they're going to take away from their career. The same expectation, however antiquated, is that the responsibility of men is to take care of their family. And by doing that, they're making money and they're bringing it home. It's like the Don Draper effect of, you know, you don't actually have to be with your family, but you've got to be, you know, in, in, in the suit and doing it. And so much of this carries, carries forward into the workplace today. It's maddening. 
It is. Like, like Mad Men. Uh, <laughs> Great show. Wonderful yeah. show, really. We're going to totally plug that show. Because I think it just, it's so ingrained into the workplace culture that it, it's sort of hard to even shake that. And, and going back to like the workplace culture, I don't know, any place that I've ever worked, and I've worked in many different companies throughout my career, a lot of the responsibilities fall on women, which are the party planning, note-taking, coffee-getting, run-out-for-lunch, that sort of thing. I don't know. Have you seen that in your experience as well? I want to talk about this a little bit too. And how can we, as modern moms, as modern women, say no and set boundaries around that? Rachel, I'm going to throw this one to you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I want to kind of answer this in two different ways. I I want to tell you how we as moms can do that. And then I also want to go back to your question of allyship for managers, because it is, it is double-sided, right? Like I want to give you the answers of what we as moms can do, but I also want to remind everyone listening who I'm assuming the majority are moms, right? And I also hope there are a few dads and non-parents listening because these modern mom probs matter Sure should matter to everyone, especially if we want to have the most effective workplaces. What I want to do is underscore like managers have a real responsibility here as allies too. So maybe I'll answer the mom part first, and then I might throw it back to Kelsey in terms of the the allyship piece. You know, when it comes to that, you know, office housework, there's so many terms for this type of work, but the one office housework is one, the emotional labor, invisible work. We we like the term invisible work and Eve Rodsky really underlines it and underscores it in her book, Fair Play. And I just, I, I just hearing her describe it, I was like, this is exactly it. And dug into a lot of the sociology behind where, where she, she got that from. But you know, what, what I think that is good about invisible work is that the office housework and the emotional labor fit under that umbrella together. So for instance, office housework is what you're describing. You know, it's almost typically always done by, by a woman and it remains invisible when, when women do it. Unfortunately, when men do it, they're often praised, but these are things like the things that you mentioned, you know, planning office parties, if, you know, noticing, although that's a bit of the emotional labor, noticing that a coworker is pregnant. So planning a baby shower for, for, for them, taking notes during a meeting, you know, women are 48% more likely to take on these tasks at work. The emotional labor piece, this is typically what we think of that happens outside of work, like knowing and then planning our children's doctor's visits, birthday parties, like in the back of my mind right now lives this, this, like for some reason, terrifying emotional labor that I must teach my daughter to ride a bike. She'll be fine if she doesn't learn this fall. But, you know, it's also important that we remember that the emotional labor of caring is very much present for women in the workplace and expected in the workplace as well. Like, who, who do we go to when we need help resolving a conflict with a coworker? Who do we expect to wipe our tears, if not the moms of, of the workplace, right? There's so much that invisible work encompasses, but I think when it, when, when we really think about it and, and really the first challenge I give to moms, to working moms is to start paying attention and to really start to, to measure how much of this that you're actually doing. So if you are like me and you can feel yourself at the end of every workday, especially when I was working, you know, for an or, or organization feeling like I spun my wheels all day, there was no lunch break. And if there was, I was making a doctor's appointment or I was doing this. 
you know, especially over the last year and a half for me being a kinship and kinship slash foster parent, depending on what you call it. There are so many days that at the end of the day, I thought I was so busy. I didn't even eat lunch. I always eat lunch, but you know, I didn't do something. I I felt like I didn't sit down. I didn't breathe, you know, but I did nothing. Nothing was accomplished. And if that's you, then you're doing invisible work. I can promise you that. So really starting to, you know, for, for you as a mom to, to think about what is it that I'm doing and as I'm doing it, how can I notice it and how can I measure it? And then how can I make it more visible? So really, I mean, I am encouraging you to take out a pen and paper. Maybe you're a Google spreadsheet person, but you know, start to take notice and just start to note down, when am I doing this? How often am I the one that's taking notes? How often am I, or how much of my time, like a coworker comes to your desk or pings you on Zoom to chat about a conflict? Just, just note the start time and see how much of, of your day that that takes up. And then from there, you can start to like really begin to implement some systemic things or talking with your manager about those that and just advocating in general for an equitable distribution of this labor. So like establishing a rotation. What if we just use the good old round robin system? We don't always have to be the one that are taking notes. And God forbid we hold our male counterparts accountable to being as organized or as as efficient with us because so often this is given to women because we're just so much better at it. Although there's no scientific research to back that, that up. And then also when you take note of all the invisible work that you're doing, which, you know, is a really difficult task first and foremost, start thinking about how to advocate for having your your organization or at least your manager if you can't impact the whole organization you have a small team start start thinking about ways that that work that you're doing can be measured and rewarded if your company says they val- value it maybe you sit on the head of an employee resource group is that going to be something that you're lauded for and rewarded for in your performance evaluation so there's a lot there but i think that's when i really start to get into the allyship stuff which i know i thought maybe kelsey i could throw it to you for that because this is when managers can start to say, you don't have to do all of that invisible work of measuring and tracking. I can do some of that too. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that as managers, this is really part of, we talk about kind of these three steps of, of allyship and it starts with ask, model, and then advocate. And in that asking, this is really where we're trying to understand what is it that our people need? I talked about that earlier, but going to your manager. They don't always have to ask. You can go to them and tell them, especially as Rachel was talking about that invisible work or making sure that you are uh, being, being given the credit that is due a lot of the times. Um, but if there's something that you need going to your manager and saying, you know, this is something that I'm struggling with. How can we work together to, establish something that's going to work not only for me, but for everyone in that way, you're sort of modeling it for your other teammates as well. And I think something I always really like to stress because I know that it can feel like, well, this is just something that I have to figure out on my own. That's what we've been told time after time. Like your work-life balance is your problem. You need to figure it out. Your burnout is your problem. There's this very like small, interesting distinction that, you know, many, many years after the term burnout was actually coined, there was this ongoing debate of whether it was a personal thing or a workplace thing. And it was actually designated by the World Health Organization to be a workplace phenomenon. It is some, it is about stress. 
that is caused by work. And so in that way, that burnout is a workplace phenomenon. It's also imperative that our organizations, our workplaces are part of the solution and not part of the problem. And it's probably a whole different conversation about why it would benefit the organizations to support their employees as well. But really thinking about that as a reason why it's okay to go to your manager and to say, here are the needs that I have. Here are the boundaries I'm going to put into place. Here are the things that I'm going to say no to, or that we need to figure out a way to distribute more evenly because it is, it's, it's really something that's going to benefit not only you, but your team and the organization as a whole. So that's sort of that asking or telling piece. And then once you know what those things are, you can really start to model it. You can model through active listening. You can model through kind of putting some of these things into place. And then when it comes to that advocacy piece, this is where you're sort of as a manager or a sponsor or a mentor, whatever that might be, this is where you are standing, kind of standing up for someone else. And it can be done in really small ways. One way that I talked to, I kind of touched on that idea of getting the credit where it's due. Everybody hates the stolen idea that happens so often in meetings. A small thing that you can do when you see that happening is just to say, yeah, that's a great idea. Rachel, I think that you brought something like that up earlier. Is Jane or John, whoever it might be, that is stealing that idea, likely unintentionally, are they on the right track? And just bringing the conversation back to the person that might have initially mentioned it. That's a great example of that advocacy piece. It's using some of your voice, some of your clout to be able to bring someone else up with you. That's great. I haven't heard that one before, but I really like that idea. Amplification theory can give it a Google. Going to, I'm going to check that out. Here's me taking notes on my, on my page. I like that one. We've covered so many different things and I feel like we could talk about this for like the next three hours. Yes. Right. Rachel, tell everyone where we can learn more about the Guild Collective and where we could follow along. Yeah, I would love to. So uh, yeah, I would love to, first of all, talk about this for three more hours and I would love to continue the conversation with listeners offline as well. I think probably for many people, this is my assumption, which I know we're not supposed to assume. My assumption is there might be many working moms who are listening to this podcast, not just to our episode, but who are coming to this podcast because they have a problem that they want to solve in some way. And they might not even know what the problem is until they hear that episode and they realize they have put into words what I'm struggling with. And so for those of you that that struggle is this navigation of maternal bias in the workplace, or just having that feeling on a regular basis that your company could be doing more to support you, whatever that might be. If you feel like you're not in a position of power to make a decision at at your company, or maybe you're not in the you're thinking, oh, I'm in sales and not in human resources or whatever that that might be. We created a tool that helps you sort of no matter what position, what whatever level of influence that you may have to, to kind of gauge where your organization is 
and, and, you know, kind of helping you to move that needle to for, for furthering your or organization's journey towards gender equity, especially for, for working moms. It's really important that you start at the right starting point. Way too many places take a one-size-fits-all approach to this work. They think, oh, we're just going to have an employee resource group or we're going to have a, a lunch and learn, like Kelsey mentioned. But they don't do the internal work of looking inward, inward and measuring and figuring out what is the best first step? What is our actual problem? So I have a really simple audit that listeners can fill out. It's essentially a quiz that allows you to kind of put in some very simple like five minute max inputs, and then we'll give you a detailed sort of prescription of what we think that based on our hundreds of organizations we've, we've worked with and thousands of, of people, what we think is the right first step or next step for your org. And it really does the work of figuring out for you how you can take this and propose it to the person that's going to be an influence. So even if you're not, you know, you can and you should be an ally for this work. So taking it to a human resources person or your manager, whoever that might be. So you can find that at guildcollective.com slash start. And guild is spelled G-I-L-D. So guildcollective.com slash start. You can, of course, also find us at our website, just regularguildcollective.com. You will find information there on our gender inequity simulator, which is an amazing tool to help leaders and managers spark that empathy that's needed for transformational change. And you can also find information about leadership development, training, inclusion training and consulting, and just a lot of other resources that we've curated for you. So if you're feeling like you don't know where to start, we've given you a starting place. So I hope it's valuable for everyone listening. I'm sure it is. And I'm going to be sure to drop everything in the show notes so people can link directly from there. Wonderful. Kelsey and Rachel, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. This was a great, great conversation. I got kind of fired up in there and I know that there's much more to discuss. So hopefully this is a great initiation and getting a little bit deeper under the surface, like you said. Absolutely. Thanks, ladies. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Modern Mom Probs. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive in today's problem with me, your host, Tara Clark. Join me next time when I'll be interviewing another great guest and tackling another modern mom problem. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and a rating. As always, you could head over to Modern Mom Probs on Instagram and give me a follow or check out my book, Modern Mom Probs, A Survival Guide for 21st Century Mothers, available online wherever books are sold. Well, that's it for today. See you next time, folks.